Uncaged. Uncaged. A show celebrating thought leadership from today's top business leaders. The program provides a voice to amazing executives from around the globe who are shaping the world of business today and mapping the path to the world of commerce tomorrow. And now, please welcome our host, Bant Breen, as we begin another Uncaged episode. Today, we're speaking with Natanya Wachtel. Hey, Natanya, how are you? I'm great, thanks. How are you? I'm very, very well. I'm excited to talk to Natanya. Natanya is working on a lot of really interesting things. She is the founding partner of New Solutions Network, which includes the New Solutions Factory. Um, She's also the chief community officer of Evermore. We'll talk a little bit about that exciting project. And Natanya is also on the board of Women Who Create, which is an exciting nonprofit, um, which is playing a big role in the industry. So we'll talk more about all of those things. But before we get there, Natanya, tell us a little bit about yourself and your career. Okay, I'll hopefully make this either interesting or short, whichever pleases the most folks. Uh, come from a background of wellness, betterment, if you will, in the clinical side, uh, therapy, therapist, and um, in the early days, uh, shifted a bit to work with organizations, mostly in pharma and biotech in-house on the marketing side, because also have that training, and trying to bridge the customer-centric language and mission and vision um, writing on the wall, if you will, with actual, you know, programmatic things that are customer centric, which is really tough sometimes when you're a large organizations. Um, a lot of uh, connections on the digital side with innovations as they were coming to market around tailoring and customization. Um, this dates me a bit, but that was sort of the uh, exciting platform there about 20 years ago. And then in about 10 years ago, uh, mostly focused on the consumer um, patient advocacy, consumer health, you know, wellness and in longitudinal chronic disease type type situations. And about 10 years ago, it seemed like on the direct to clinician side, everyone was realizing that physicians are people, which was amazing, and that we had to communicate with them a little better than we had been and um, not necessarily just dump our newest tech on them like, oh, we can email, we have their email address, let's set them six from this department, from promotions, from conference department, from medical, and not necessarily be coordinated, which is understandable. The organizations were large and large and spread out and regulations put sort of firewalls between groups. So trying to come in and sort of untangle all of that and go back to the customer-centric roots. And a lot of that is tied to, you know, the tenets of behavioral science and behavioral psychology around how we do what we do, why we communicate, who we trust, how we learn, those kinds of things. Wow. So, I mean, I, I look at your background, you've done so many exciting things, see that you're, you know, board certified health and wellness coach. Uh, you have a background in neuro-linguistic programming Tell me how all of this comes together in the new solutions network. Well, thank you. It, it really does. I mean, basically, um, I know that a lot of folks spoke, speak about the pandemic every day, almost ad nauseum, and not to um, minimize the, the pain that is caused for many people and loss. Um, so just looking at it from a business lens, obviously, it's created a big shift in the way we do business, new ways of thinking, working, learning, doing, and for consumers of any kind of media and marketing, you know, a new way of engaging. Um, so basically, a bunch of 
senior folks got together and combined our companies and efforts to create a broader network to kind of serve this this new world, if you will, with, you know, helping build thriving, high-performing brands and organizations and supporting market leaders and how to communicate effectively with their customers Mm -hmm. in the post-pandemic world. So mostly we work with pharma, wellness, biotech, life sciences kind of brands, Mm -hmm. but also in considered purchase, like larger scale purchase kinds of brands so that we can kind of have those, foster those authentic connections between customer and and organization brand, if you will. That's great. I mean, I don't know if you can tell us a little bit about anything you're doing with any of these clients, but uh, obviously all of those areas are absolutely top of mind for everyone right now. Tell us a little bit more about kind of anything that you're specifically working on. Okay, well, um, one of the things we're really excited about that I'm, I'm consider my passion project is my work with a startup, a mental health, mental wellness empathy AI powered uh, GPS for young people. It's focused on Gen Z and betterment. Um, It's essentially, we looked at why therapy wasn't quite working and Gen Z again, I'm sure most of your listeners know, it's in all the major news, they are suffering. The suicide rates are up, depression and anxiety is up and they're untethered and these are digital natives. So they were born into tech and it's a beautiful thing in a lot of ways. They are accelerating all areas of growth and innovation and development in a lot of ways, but they're also untethered. They um, don't necessarily have those um, deep relationships with folks in the same way because they don't have it in the real world. Also, as we know, again, not to bring up the pandemic per se, but just that we are stretched and taxed with our healthcare system. Everyone's sort of well aware of that, but on the mental health side, and some of the young folks are the ones who are hurting the most because of either access, whether it be cost, culture, um, or just time, so that they may not get to be seen if they even want a therapist or if they're able to be, if they can afford it, if their family supports that idea. So we're trying to do something really big. I mean, we're trying yeah, to change I mean, the I world here. <laughs> that No, that's huge. And I mean, I, I, I think about like what you're doing and putting it in the context of the broader business landscape today, but that particular issue is a huge issue. Yeah. So, you know, we're working with some big players and, you know, by, by happenstance, hopefully when you're on a good mission, some people take notice, you know, we've been given a nice stage and a platform. We've partnered with Netflix on some, Um, programs that are specialized around the social dilemma and so how social networks essentially that could buoy these young people are actually bringing them down. That's again in popular news. So we're trying to build a platform, an app that helps you, the hero within, unlock and be the best you, builds resilience, confidence, mastery, grit. You're feeling great about you makes common sense that you can then be better advocate to support other people so that then they can share and connect with others that are like them and not about the glamour Instagram follower type of way to get connections, but the way to say, oh, are you struggling with this? I am too. And to ultimately get that um, sort of buoyancy that you get when you feel better and you can bring others up with you. Finding those connections is absolutely critical. And tell me a little bit more about all the work that you're doing with women who create. Well, thank you. This is a big place in my heart. Women Who Create is a scholarship and mentor program for women of color or anyone who identifies as a woman, I should say. And so here we work and many, 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 many um, thanks to all of the 
agencies and companies and organizations who have supported us thus far, but we work to help build up um, those who may or may not have the advantages that we have. And it's a very multidisciplinary group. And uh, we're pretty proud to say that we are growing by the hundreds on the mentor side and um, we have events coming up. So if anyone's interested, I would love to hear from anyone who, who would like to help there. There's a lot to be done. Yeah, no, I, I know it's a great organization. And let me try to shift gears a little bit, uh, talk a little bit about the experience that we've gone through over the last couple of years. You touched upon it earlier, but maybe go in a little bit more depth. You know, we're now hopefully knock on wood coming out of it. I, I read an article this morning in the New York Times that seemed almost like uh, like like it was historical, like that the pandemic was historical, which was a, a positive sign in my mind. But uh, tell me, uh, what learnings that are you seeing coming out of this? Sure. Well, I think it's funny that you mentioned that too. I think it's that that initial lockdown period is almost like what people really think of when they think of the pandemic now. And then, you know, the other thing is, of course, you know, you watch a movie and there's a crowd scene and you you gasp a little bit because, you know, there's all those people together and you're like, oh, that must have been pre-pandemic. Um, so, you know, we can make light of it in a lot of ways, too. But from a business perspective, I think, you know, all across industry, right? whether it's life sciences or any any sort of marketing. And again, I speak with maybe the commercial marketing lens. We're just trying to make an impact, right? And, and now the attention span has gone from, what do they just report? From 12 seconds to eight seconds. And we have less time or six seconds, I believe in some cases. We have less time, um, less trust, more competition. So it's really getting through the clutter now more than ever. And that can mean from investment allocations, where you spend your money on media, how you do it, what you say, all of that a little bit got thrown on its head. But I, I have a bias that I think it's for the better because now we, we can't just rest on our laurels and do a one size fits all plan for everything that we do. I think some of the big brands had a little shock and um, I think it's great because it actually forces sort of the guerrilla marketing, old school innovation. And really, um, it's a little more cutthroat. But in the end, I think there are more longitudinal benefits about better customer and brand relationships, forging sort of a truly, um, you know, level playing field that we might not have had before. Yeah, it's it's been an interesting moment. I, I just love to hear your thoughts on this. I, I feel that, you know, topics like mental health, wellness are spoken about much more easily now than ever before, certainly in a, in a business context. And I think to the, to the, the betterment of, of the companies that people work at, as well as society in general, and certainly we've all been talking about health and our, uh, medical issues and pharma issues over the last two years, more than I think any of us ever wanted to, <laughs> you know, if you really, if, if I must be honest. And so I'd just be curious how this focus is going to perhaps shift or, you know, how that's impacted things. Well, I mean, this is not necessarily an insight that's going to blow anyone's mind, but I'll just draw your attention, I guess, to your LinkedIn feed, for example, and think yeah. about the difference of the way it reads and feels for you, right? So you have CEOs, such as yourself and others, posting pictures of their children working beside them, posting their oncology battle or a loss of life, like personal, deeply visceral things. 
And not everyone's comfortable doing that, but it is an amazing sort of interesting, shocking combination of things and using the people first. And that's, I think, a beautiful thing. And LinkedIn has become this sort of intimate business networking situation. Also, there's, you know, the opportunity to follow and do things on LinkedIn that were maybe reserved for other channels, such Mm -hmm. that there is a sense of intimate connection where there once was none. And I think it was needed because of the fact that we're not having those business dinners or meeting that kind of spills into a lunch or walking through the hallway, catching up there. I mean, essentially it's book your Zoom, go to the next, book your Zoom, go to the next. And um, depending on, you know, your style, your working style, you know, you're on camera or you're not. Um, However, I think there's also, I know from my own experience, people that I've known for a decade or two, um, I feel like I know more and better, more intimately in the last two years because we've zoomed into each other's homes. We've seen each other with hoodies on. We've, you know, we've seen each other where a pet runs through the screen or a child or something falls and you just sort of laugh it off and you're having a very scientific, serious conversation. And it sort of takes away a lot of the pretense around what was considered like proper business etiquette and acumen and kind of lifts that off and focuses on the heart of, well, what are we trying to do to get from A to B? And let's Mm -hmm. do that. And I feel actually it's refreshing for someone like me who often felt a little overwhelmed with the politicking and the bureaucratic things. In fact, that's partly why I became an independent was because I wasn't sure if I was fit for the corporate show all the time, or I certainly didn't enjoy it. And um, now it's great. You come as you are. And I think come as you are for a CEO Mm -hmm. to, you know, from any level all the way up is, is just an amazing thing. And it makes also the transparency around how you conduct business more in the light. And I think ultimately that's actually great for all of us to have that, that view into other organizations as well as our own to have those standards there. Yeah. I, I love the way that you phrase that. And I, I completely agree with you. It's been a way to perhaps get people that refuse to look at the whole person to maybe make them see that, you know, and, and I think it's, it's really nice to see the cat run across the screen every once in a while and, and it reminds us of the humanity of business and, and life in, in, entirely. So I, I think you stated that perfectly. But, you know, as you look forward, Natanya, for 2022, I feel this is a big number, 2022. We're in the future here. Uh, we're living in uh, a world where there's lots of lots of discussion about machine learning and yeah. all of these interesting things. You know, how do you look at this year progressing and, and what are your hopes for the future? Okay. Well, yeah, I think 2015 was the future as far as we knew it from Michael J. Fox and Doc Brown. (laughs) So now we're seven years past that. Like this is, I can't believe we don't all have flying cars. It's really upsetting. Um, Aside from that, um, I mean, I'm really looking to have the trends stay and evolve around doing better, being better, more purposeful, again, from a functional perspective for marketing to really think about customer centricity in a real way. Mm -hmm. Um, Every time you want to push out content, make sure it actually means something to your customer, not just about what you want to say and how you want to deliver it. And more is not always more, right? More is not always better. Mm -hmm. More is sometimes too much. And or, you know, to show up 
with your customers. So like sometimes there are brands who need to come out of the shadows and some who need to pull a little back. And I think that lens of, of being more authentic, you know, I, I'd like that to, con- to tr- uh, excuse me, to continue Yeah. and use the tools, including, you know, the AI tools that are often, you know, buzzwords, but truly can effectively optimize how we do these things. So using a combination, I think, of humans and tech to build better models of integration and tracking and analysis and investment allocation would be great. Um, Again, on my personal passion project side, I would really like to see every person who wants to get higher education able to get higher education without cost being a barrier and everyone who needs help to get help without cost being a barrier or culture or access. So that's what we're trying to do on the Evermore side, you know, ideally, with health plan support, you know, and Medicaid and that like that, anyone who has insurance or who doesn't have insurance to be able to have access to support tools and, um, you know, to be able to have mentors for all the young people to see that there is a path for them and that they should, you know, essentially to stay motivated to pursue. Because when you have access to all the world's trauma at your fingertips every given day, but I know we didn't when we were children, it's apathy can be a real thing. I mean, really feeling like what's the point is, is a real thing, you know, when you have all of this trauma all around you bombarding you daily. Yeah, no doubt. I am a father of two teenage boys and um, I've marveled at, at how they've navigated this time, but I've also really realized how different this moment has been for them in comparison to my own high school journey and it, I, I wonder how that's going to impact them longer term. I, I wonder how this is going to be a moment where it, they perhaps act differently in their 20s and 30s because of this. We'll, we'll see. Oh, I'm sure. I'm yeah. sure they will. And I think, um, again, it's sort of hackneyed, but I truly believe in this idea of the growth mindset for all mm-hmm. people. But at least with young people, they're not so set in their ways. Their brains, you know, clinically, neurologically are able to be more plastic. And um, the growth mindset that sort of says, challenges are going to come, how do I navigate it? So this bad thing happened, but I can do this about it, or I'm going to shift and do that. And I think that's a generational shift as well, where, um, you know, even thinking about your job, your career, your school was usually a limited path, and you did that, and then you did the next thing. And I think that's the exciting thing that I love working with the young people is that the world is their oyster, and they know it. And, And those who don't, that's where we want to get them. Absolutely. And I love the idea of removing all of these barriers uh, that seem to be ridiculous barriers, if you think about it, that, that they stop people from getting the basics that we all we all need to really kind of live up to our, our full potential and our whole selves. So I, I love what you're saying on all of those things. We've been speaking with Natanya Wachtel. She is the founding partner of the New Solutions Network. She's also the COO of Evermore. And she also is a board member for Women Who Create. We've been talking about a lot of different topics today, uh, a lot about what she and her colleagues are working on in the New Solutions Network um, in terms of offering solutions for uh, some of the dilemmas that Gen Z is facing, as well as some of the barriers that we've seen uh, set up in society and some of the solutions that are being put in place to eliminate those barriers for healthcare, for opportunities for women, and really uh, trying to eliminate those so that we can 
hopefully embrace the challenges of, of this future that uh, was supposed to start in 2015, but here we are in 2022 trying to catch up, right? Uh, Natanya, thank you so much for being on the show today. If someone wanted to reach you, where, where can they find you? Um, I guess LinkedIn's probably the best place because um, it's easy and I'm, I live there now, I think. No, I'm just kidding. And <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, you can edit that if you need to. No, um, but that really is probably the easiest place. And I thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to speak with me. This is, this is really wonderful. It's really been, it's been great. Thank you so much. Talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye-bye.